by no one's demand but our own, but not from the home office in the Gulch in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. I am in the new home office, the new home studio, where A to Z primetime, A to Z sports primetime will begin at the end of the month uh, in my new home in North Nashville. Very happy to be coming to you for the first time from the new home office uh, and very happy to be bringing you um, apologies that it's arriving late. But we got it here and we got it for you because we're going to do something different today. Uh, because the 615 Sessions is all-encompassing in terms of your sports coverage that we care about here in Nashville, uh, it gets it lets me do things outside of uh, outside of the Titans, which I cover on a regular basis. It lets me talk Preds. It lets me talk SEC, t- college football, and a little bit of Vols, which we did for the first time here today with former Vols quarterback, uh, Jonathan Crompton. You guys remember him well if you're a Vols fan, at jcromp8 on Twitter. Uh, he is, of course, uh, he had some great success under Jim Chaney his senior year and was at UT during one of, I mean, if not the most turbulent, well, I don't know about, maybe, maybe Greg Schiano was the most turbulent time at Tennessee, but at least in that program's history from a football perspective, uh, when Philip Fulmer was fired and, you know, Everybody remembers well how Vols fans behaved towards the Cromptons after that. But he's still got a lot of love for you guys. Uh, God help him. I don't know. (laughs) It would be hard for me to still be a fan if I was treated the way Jonathan Crompton was. But regardless, um, he has some great insights that he's going to share on this year's team. How Jim Chaney is going to make Jarrett Garantano better. What he does specifically for the quarterback position and how much... Uh, Garantano's going to benefit from it, how much he's going to mature and develop. Um, and he's he's got he's got a lot of insight into why it takes time <laughs> for a football program to develop. That sounds like common common sense, but in terms of patience and allowing things to develop and allow somebody so allowing somebody to build a program and the signs of life that are there with Tennessee, we talk about that because uh, there is optimism to have in the Vols right now. Uh, it sounds like most people are kind of indifferent. They're ready for college football season to start. Their expectations for the Vols are not high coming off of a 5-7 and seven year. But I think me and Jonathan both identified uh, during the course of this interview things that we see in Jeremy Pruitt that make, make you feel good if you're a Vols fan and if you're somebody who cares about the success of that team. So... Without further ado, former Vols quarterback, Jonathan Crompton. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Very happy to be uh, joined by Jonathan Crompton, former Vols QB, at jcromp8 on Twitter. Boss man, how we living? How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Just, uh, just... Trying to get through the summer heat here in Nashville. Uh, there you go. It's it's just oppressively humid outside. I'm trying not to look like I just got out of the shower every time I walked to my car. But, you know. No, I'm things. with you, man. I forget it's always like 15 to 20 degrees hotter in Tennessee than it is here in North Carolina. Uh, it's just, it's honest to God, the worst. But uh, as much as I would enjoy talking about how miserable I am in the heat, uh, there are expectations for your alma mater, the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, a little bit of heat on, in terms of how fans are feeling and what the what the expectations for this roster should be. And 
you know, we all know that you can lend a little unique insight into Jim Chaney, who returns to the University of Tennessee to run Jeremy Pruitt's offense. Uh, working with him seemed to benefit you greatly in terms of your growth at quarterback when you were playing uh, at UT. What's the biggest area you think that Jarrett can Jarrett Garantano can benefit uh, or expect to see growth in while playing for Chaney? Oh man, that's a that's a good question right off the bat. I like it. Well, listen, um, I, we're talking about hot. I'm trying to bring a little heat here. There you uh, go. I'm, I was going to say first off, that was a phenomenal transition earlier, just a second ago. Okay. Uh, it was. It, I just I wanted it, it to give you one of my best. Honestly, like it felt a little hacky sports talk radio. I don't know why I went so polished broadcaster there. That's not normally my style, but you know that that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some credit right Appreciate there. But uh, no, I mean honestly though, with with uh, Coach Cheney there, man, um, I I honestly can say I wish first off I wish I'd have had him for more than a year because then I would have reaped a lot more benefits from him than I did any other coaches. Um, and that's the thing that uh, Garantano's got an advantage of. He's got two years with him, um, which is definitely a plus. I'm telling you, he's gonna he's gonna get so much better, not just from. You know, people can you can skew completion percentages, and especially in today's game. Um, that's the thing that when I when I am training quarterbacks myself, I tell them, listen, don't worry when you see somebody throw for seventy percent. What if that percentage of seventy was behind the line, or was a bubble pass, or you know, I want to know what your completion percentage is, eight, nine, ten yards down the field and or farther. Um. So with that completion percentage that he had last year, which was really good, um, I think you're going to see a, a better percentage of decision-making down the field throws. Because um, it's not just going to be, hey, let's call this play to call it. We're going to set up the, the intermediate to down the field throws in the right manner so my decision-making is easier now on when I need to throw that or when I actually need to make the pass. Um I think that's going to be a big thing because uh, I know it's gotten away from it a lot and now in today's game, but a good run game is a quarterback's best friend, and especially in a Cheney-type offense where run action, play action, bootlegs are going to be a big deal. Um, I mean, look what he did at Georgia. I mean, let's just look what he's done at Pittsburgh and Arkansas. I mean, he, his track record speaks for itself. So. I think the decision-making in the intermediate pass game is going to be a big, big thing this year. Yeah, it's it's fascinating the way you talk about the how, how the game has changed, how it's kind of moved away from not really run-heavy, but having having a good deal of the offense predicated off of the run and then benefiting uh, the, the, the play-action pass game, benefiting from it as a result. It's a lot of manufactured offense, and I feel like it, it kind of makes the decision-making – harder on quarterbacks when you're not making them learn how to go through the decision-making process. I don't know if that makes makes sense, but that's at least the, the way that I kind of view it. From well, how much time do you have? Because right. <laughs> I, I, can, I can go for hours on that. Um, and this is – and I, I won't get into a lot of detail on it, but in the fact of I've been, I've been fortunate slash unfortunate to be around a lot of coaches, um, especially in my time at Tennessee. Um, there's good coaches, there's okay coaches, there's not so good coaches in different aspects of the game. Um, there are coaches that will say, throw the ball here no matter what. Well, what if they do this? Well, just throw it there. 
that's not good coaching. What you're going to get with Coach Cheney is detail-oriented why we want to throw this route versus this coverage. So it's going to be an understanding of the game, not just, hey, we're going to throw this route no matter what because we have a better athlete than you, and I'm not going to teach you anything about playing quarterback. That's not what he's going to get. And then actually having T being able to lean on and a Chris Winkie to be able to lean on. I mean, this this staff as a quarterback is the ultimate staff you want to play on in the country right now, in my opinion. And I'm not just saying that because it's my alma mater. I'm saying that from look look at the track record of these coaches that on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, come on, you got a Chris Winkie, T. Martin, Jim Chaney. I mean, that's all I need. Well, so I'm I'm excited to see what he's able to do with the information he's going to be able to get from these guys. Yeah, I think I think we all are, Jonathan. I'm I'm legitimately excited to see what how Jarrett Garantano benefits from all the experience that he has that he has around him because he's got potential. I think that we we can all say that oh, with yeah. confidence. Um, oh yeah. But what does it kind of say about Jeremy Pruitt? You talk about all the all the experience, all the wealth of knowledge that's available on the on this offensive staff. Jeremy Pruitt went away from a rookie offensive coordinator in Tyson Helton for a very, very well-known commodity in the SEC like Jim Chaney. He handed off his play-calling duties on the defensive side uh, to the D.C. they hired away from the Raiders. What what does that kind of say to you, at least, about how Jeremy Pruitt's evaluating himself as a coach? Well, it's not, and to me, it's not as much as him evaluating himself. It's saying, you know what, I've got the utmost confidence in my coaches to do their job in the sense of uh, now I can just oversee, make sure that I've got every situation covered for the game, no matter what it is. If there's a 1% chance, now I can make sure that I've studied it myself because I've got the two coordinators that I trust, and then they've got coaches underneath them that they trust that I don't have to stand over them and shadow them all the time because we're all on the same page. And now as a head coach, he can go, like I said, and have the 1% chance that whatever scenario is going to come up, he can have that covered now, being detail-oriented. So I, I like I like the fact of, because I know if I was a head coach, I want a coordinator on both sides of the ball, especially my expertise side of the ball, somebody that I can trust and say, don't worry about it. I mean, look how long it took Mark Rick to, to hand it over to uh, Bobo, Mike Bobo. Took him a long time, and that's that's just because he didn't want to hand it over. It's only taken Pruitt two years, so that really tells me that he trusts this staff with everything, especially game plan wise. I mean, obviously he's going to be involved, but you know, understanding that these guys are going to make a name for themselves as their own coach and down the road be a head coach. Well, I guess that's what I'm I'm kind of getting at. Like it strikes me as and maybe I don't give football coaches enough credit. Like I my my primary function for A to Z Sports is I cover the Tennessee Titans on a daily basis. Yeah. And like seeing seeing the way through two coaching staffs now that just a li- just a little bit of self-awareness in terms of when you're spread too thin, which it, it at least on from what I'm looking at, from what Jeremy Pruitt seems to have done, it he seems to have recognized, okay, this is this is a there is there's a better way for me to go about this to trust in my staff and also allow me to better focus on the big picture 
which is kind of what you're doing in the position of head coach. You're more of a CEO rather than exactly. somebody who's going to focus on the minutiae as much. I mean, still focused on the minutiae, but you know what I mean. No, you're exactly right. And that's, that's I think that says a lot. He doesn't have to come out and publicly say any of that because him relinquishing that duty instantly tells everybody he trusts his staff. He's going to be in control of the game, which now lets the game flow smoother for everybody because he's not having to worry about, okay, because as a coordinator, that's the thing that people don't, a lot of people don't realize. As a coordinator, you have to think so far ahead. If it's first and 10 and you open the game, yes, you have your quote unquote, you know, top 15 or 10 or 16. Every coach is different. But the second it's second and 12, you're you're off that script and now you go okay what if we gain what or if we get five yards now it's third and seven all right what if we lose you've got to have five or six play calls in your head at one time ready to go now as a defensive coordinator he's doing the same thing but since he doesn't have to do that he doesn't have to worry about that as much and can focus on the game and the task at hand of making sure everybody's on the same page that's what i love about that move he he's got a lot of potential, I think, as a head coach. Just kind of just kind of observing from afar. Obviously, I'm here in Nashville. We cover the Vols because people in Nashville care care a great deal about the Vols. It's the most popular team in the state. But just kind of observing his mannerisms, observing what he's been doing, uh, heading into two years as a head coach. He he seems like he's got a lot of promise. But some of the stuff I look at, like Jonathan, I was going through. I was going through their how how last year played out and like how competitive they actually were in some of the games that they played. Five and seven is disappointing by any any measure at Tennessee, but you know you kind of understand where the program is right now. But the the six losses of at least twenty five points kind of kind of struck me, even as even as down as Tennessee might be right now. Like that just kind of struck me as there was a little bit of lack of competitiveness. Am I reading that incorrectly, or how should I be? Um, how should I be? And, and this, that. I mean, this is just a, a you know a personal thing. I mean, look at, let's just take. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not going to name schools, for instance, but just if a school gets put on a probation and they get down, let's just throw it, 10, 15, 20 scholarships, right? Well, if you're, let's just say ten. If you're down ten scholarships, you're down almost technically speaking a whole offense or a whole defense, right? Meaning, I don't have a, a I don't have a full backup or I don't have a uh, an offense or defense or I don't have a third string because as offensive linemen you've got to have two three four guys that can play as running backs three guys typically play a game tight ends you need two or three tight ends a game you need six or seven receivers able to play a game so you need even though you're not a quote-unquote starter at some of these positions you are going to play when you're down those positions you're not as competitive your ones may be but how you win championships is your are your twos and threes being just as good as your ones. Look at the Alabamas. Look at the Georgias now. Look at the old school Southern Cows. You know what I mean? Like those those guys. You know back then, that's what it was. Your Alabama's having guys that are a redshirt junior playing one year, getting picked in the first round, things like that. Because they they may back up for a couple of years, but by God, they're going to play. And there, there's no drop off. That's been our disadvantage. We've had that drop off because they're going to these other schools because for whatever reason, recruiting wasn't going the way that it and or development 
wasn't going the way that it needed to be going at that time. And it takes a while to get back from that. Nick Saban, six and six his first year at Bama. And it's just what it is. Six and six his first year at Bama, and then now look at him. And that's where I know everybody says, you know, be patient, be patient, be patient. But if we give him just a couple years, I think he can get this ship turned around because of developing players and understanding that, yes, everybody wants to come in and play as a true freshman. Everybody wants to be a four-year starter, this, this, and this. That's because you're a competitor. But there are a lot of guys. I mean, look at Josh Jacobs. He didn't even he didn't even start a game in Alabama hardly. First-round pick because you buy into the system and the concepts that you're doing, and you go about it every day. Those are the guys we need. And I think we're going to be able to get those guys with this staff and develop them into those caliber of players. Well, to me, it's there's there's a ton of promise there. Like it's it finally feels, and perhaps it's just, you know, optimism. As, as somebody who's not a Tennessee fan, as somebody who covers that sport and that team and wants them to be exciting and to be good selfishly because it's better for our business, in all yeah. honesty. And I want to be watching more competitive football. I want the teams that I cover to matter because it gives me exciting things to talk about. And so I yeah. like as somebody who views this or tries to view this objectively, like I look at this, I look at Pruitt, I look at where the Vols are now. I understand that, you know, they're still rebuilding, their schedule reflects that, but that it finally seems like Tennessee is headed in the right direction and it's just you know it's it's the instant gratification society that we live in everybody is everybody's just ready to pounce on whatever whatever uh, insignificant thing or whatever thing that they think should be microwaved and should be ready to go in its first year that's just kind of the way that people are handling Tennessee because they're tired of waiting and I understand that because I'm I mean I'm an Indiana basketball fan okay I haven't mattered since the 80s like I kind of feel for Tennessee football fans it's been really, really hard. <laughs> so you you need a couple chairs thrown at people. Oh my God! It would, nothing would make me happier in this world than to see a chair or two thrown. But you know, this is this is the world we live in, Jonathan. Oh no, I'm with. And, and that's the thing about college sports, but specifically football. That is so. It's funny and dumbfounding at the same time, in the sense of, look at history. And I'm, I'm, I am I'm love history. I, I love World War II, Vietnam. I just like history. It's fun to me. Sure. Um, but history always repeats itself, right? And that we can all pretty much, I mean, it's not a 100% guarantee, but it, it's pretty darn close. Um, look at these college football programs. You have your... It's like a roller coaster. Every program, you, when you you're up there, you're at the very peak, you're at the pinnacle, and then it starts declining for whatever reason. And I can give you specific reasons, but I'm not going to do that um, on why I know that we have over the years. But it's the fact of every school does it. It happens where they come down, and how far, how long they stay, quote unquote, down is really undetermined. But look at the Miamis back in, in the early 2000s, right? Look at the Southern Cows right after the Miamis. Bama's up there right now. You know, LSU used to be up there. We used to be up there. It's all, You're always going to have that roller coaster where you're up and then you're down, then you're up and then you're down. And then it's while you're 
when you're up, everybody's trying to catch you. Then they catch you. Then you're trying to catch them. It's a never ending cycle. And we're finally, I think on the cusp of being able to say, we're kind of, we're out of the, 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 the actual gutter. We're trying to climb back up the hill now. Um, is kind of the way I interpret all this because if you look at, like I said, look at the college programs. You're always going to be where they're up. They can't lose. They go 12 and one or 11 and one or 12 and zero, all this stuff. And then they, they win their conference. And then two years later, they're gone. And then you're like, well, where did school X go? And then they're gone for five, six, seven, 10, whatever years. And then you're like, Oh crap. They came out of nowhere. Um, it's always going to happen that way. And it, it's kind of interesting to think that, but I really think that we're on the cusp of being able to say we're back on the climb. Well, I mean, we're not close to being at the top, but you have to get to the top. You've got to climb that mountain again. Though. Imagine that Jonathan patience and nuance in sports talk. I don't believe it. I know. Seriously. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Nah, but, brother. but it is hard. You're right. It's hard because we live in a world and society that instant gratification. We want it now, no matter what it is. I order something on Amazon. I'm like, why ain't that here yet? I just clicked. I just clicked order. Why is it not here? You know, that's that's our society nowadays, and especially when it comes to Tennessee fans and Tennessee football results. I mean, hell, if anybody knows, I know. I was about to um, say, if, if anybody has familiarity with that, and it's that you. you know, and it's just if people knew the behind the scenes details of what really happened and go on, they would go, oh, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Maybe maybe things aren't what we think they are, because that's just college football. Just like every, it's a it is a thriving business. It's what it is, and that can be a whole separate conversation. So I should probably stop on that one. No, in fact, I think it gives me a perfect excuse, Jonathan, to have you back sometime because I've greatly enjoyed uh, spending a little time with you, chatting with you. Uh, my first opportunity to do so, and I hope that you'll uh, let us waste a little more of your time later on once the college football season gets rolling. I appreciate you doing this, man. Oh, definitely, man. No, let's do it again. I appreciate it. Um, I, I was telling Austin, I definitely tune in and listen. I randomly, you know, if I get if I get a little free time and I'm bored, I randomly write a comment or two to try to start a fight with people. Hey, um, the comments say, listen, it's, it is fun to get fun, down. Though, it's because it's all in good fun. You try to get stuff, why not? And just have a little fun with it. Oh, it's the listen. I I I live in the comment section sewers, Jonathan. Like I thrive on that stuff. It's it's great down there. It, it was it's fun. I had to, you know this morning. I tried to get something going. Uh, why not? <laughs> why not? Well, we appreciate you watching, watching, man. And feel free to slide on in those comment sections anytime you like. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Okay. Jonathan Crompton, former Vols quarterback, uh, somebody who I greatly appreciate stopping by, somebody who uh, who the conversation with I really enjoyed. That's my first opportunity getting a chance to talk with Jonathan, and I know that he's done some stuff uh, in, in radio and media before, but just pleasantly surprised. I don't know. I did. It's not like I had uh, – it's not like I wasn't – I don't know. I just wasn't expecting to enjoy that interview as much as I did. So shout out to Jonathan Crompton for stopping by. Uh, really appreciated his insights, and hopefully we'll be able to talk to Jonathan a little down the road uh, once the Vols season gets underway and we see what Jarrett Garantano looks like in the new Jim Chaney offense at UT. Uh, so before we get out of here, I wanted to remind you guys 
because I have not done a good enough job reminding you guys. If you're somebody in the musical community, because this is Music City, the 615 Sessions is Nashville's podcast, and we want to do our part. We want to do our part to be involved with the musical community here in Nashville, to support the artists in our community just as they support us. So if you are somebody who is in the musical community, who wants your music played, uh, who wants exposure for free here on the 615 Sessions, uh, please submit your original music to buck at a to z sports nashville.com. All I need from you is the artist's permission. Have to have that. Don't want any legal uh, complications. So the artist's permission, a brief blurb about who you are, if you're an artist, if you're a band, uh, where you come from, where you're playing, where you might be playing in the upcoming weeks that we can potentially promote your dates what the name of the song is, and, and a little bit about the song, if you've got anything on that. We'll read it on the air. We'll attach the full song to the end of the podcast so we can give you guys as much exposure as possible. But we'll have, me, we'll have the music play me back in uh, from commercial breaks and from interviews. So if you would like the opportunity to do that, all you have to do is send your original music to buck at a to z sports nashville.com. Appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. I will be back with you guys on Thursday as regularly scheduled as we get closer to football season beginning officially in Nashville when the rookies report on July 22nd to the Tennessee Titans practice facility and the veterans on the 25th. Uh, meanwhile, make sure you guys are rating, reviewing, and subscribing to our podcast here on the 615 Sessions. It is found wherever you can find podcasts we make it easy for you soundcloud stitcher tune in google play apple podcasts uh wherever you are finding those podcasts wherever you can rate and review those podcasts make sure you are doing so five star ratings are always greatly appreciated you know if you leave four stars or less you're just hating and you just want to make me angry and it's not going to make me angry because i appreciate you guys participating nonetheless but five star ratings are preferable so make sure you are doing that. Thanks, of course, to Austin Stanley, Zach Bingham, A to Z Sports in the morning, Nashville's on-demand sports talk show, Facebook Live, Periscope is where you can find the boys. Back from uh, football season development uh, hiatus, the two-week break that they take from the show where we spent most of the time bowling uh, and doing things that were not work-related, except for the podcast because we don't stop working for you guys. We keep bringing the heat, and Jonathan Crompton brought the heat on today's show. If you liked that interview, we have tons more uh, for you to peruse if you rate and review, and you can find our archives if you subscribe. Uh, the 4th of July mailbag with Corey Levin, Titans offensive lineman. I had a great time doing that. I thought he was funny. I thought he was charismatic. Uh, I thought, I hopefully, he'll be willing to do something like that with us again. Uh, I enjoyed that. Ty Bentley of the Ty Bentley Show, internationally syndicated Ty Bentley Show, uh, who does morning radio here on 103.3 Nash FM, Taylor Lewan, Titans left tackle, uh, the Chief, Paul Kaharski, John Robinson, Titans GM. Many, many guests that we bring you here on the 615 session. So if you are subscribed, you can find all of those interviews that we have done previously and listen back to those. That being said, I'm Buck Rising reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. We'll talk to you Thursday right here on the 615 sessions brought to you by A to Z Sports and a to z sports nashville.com